to the Columbus Citadel podcast. We hope this to be a long-lasting wealth of fellowship and biblical knowledge for our community. Listen as someone shares what God has placed on their heart in this episode. Responsible for the whole issue of rank within the army when he called himself captain and referred to William Booth as general. And he's also responsible for the development of the Salvation Army uniform. If you read that quote, which I can't give it verbatim to you, but he wanted people to know that he was going to war and that this world needed salvation. And this uniform speaks of that. You'll notice the S's. They mean what? They mean save to save and then save to serve. We recognize that first we need salvation, but then it's our job and our responsibility to spread that salvation to the world around us. And so we are uh, always amazed, I am always amazed, at uh, these individuals who were so committed. They just didn't look at this as being something as a profession. They looked at this as being a commitment to God. This was not something they just did a couple hours during the week. This was something they did every day. And they sought to go for souls, as Booth said, and go for the worst. And to help the world know there is salvation through Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to start on this new sermon series called uh, Helpful Truths from Hebrews. And we're going to look at today at the topic, as you can tell by the uh, program and also by the music that we had about the need for blood. Now, if we are saved, we understand the importance of this. So part of this message will be a reminder to us, but I want to take and hopefully educate us a little bit too about the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. According to Stanford Medical School Blood Center, blood is a living tissue. Now, I did not know this. I often thought blood as just being this liquid that was inside of us, but in in truth, it is a tissue, a living tissue composed of cellular elements and a watery fluid called plasma. The cellular parts, red cells, white cells, platelets, make up about 45% of the volume of the whole blood. Plasma, which is 92% water, makes up the remaining 55%. Approximately 7% of a person's weight is blood. You want to lose some body weight? There you go. (laughs) Though I would not recommend it, (laughs) because you might lose more than just the weight. (laughs) An average-sized man has about 12 pints of blood, an average-sized woman about nine. Now, I've often thought of blood as kind of like the engine oil, but in truth, it is not. It is much more precious than engine oil. I know this because the Honda that I drive had a flashing oil light come on. And it was still driving. Well, I pulled it in here, and we went to pull out the uh, oil stick, which in of itself was a little bit of a Herculean effort because that thing had never been pulled out, I'm convinced. Rust had formed around it, and we literally almost needed a tow truck to pull that sucker out. Well, we got it out, and there was nothing registering on the stick. This is not good. So five quarts of oil was put into the vehicle, folks. I think the vehicle holds just five quarts of oil. That's what it takes. It was, if it was, you know, fumes or whatever you want to say, whatever little lubricant was left in there was what was greasing that engine. Praise God. 
so that the engine didn't seize up. Well, it got oil put back into it, and life is good. But just with that little bit that was in there, it was still able to run. Folks, if we lost the majority of our blood, <laughs> I got news. If we lose two pints of our blood, we're not doing so hot. We lose three, we are in a life-jeopardizing situation. It is amazing how important it is for this liquid inside of us to do its job. And we understand that from a physical level, the importance of it. We see blood drives and so forth uh, that people have. I don't know if you know your blood type. I'm an O positive person myself. That explains my personality. I know people who are AB negative. I think blood is tied into our personalities. Because <laughs> the people I know who have that kind of blood are them. Never mind, I'll let that go. But hey, I'm an O positive kind of person. Yeah. I'm one of the common ones here. I'm the one that usually then they need blood. It's this because it is so common and it can run out very quickly. And I've given blood on many occasions and uh, sometimes with very interesting effects when people who didn't know what they were doing. We won't go into those stories. But the physical blood is of such importance. How much more so than to the spiritual? We understand that the physical blood, without it, our life is lost. Without the spiritual blood, our soul would be lost. We have this verse of scripture that we have been looking at on the front of our programs and was up here. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, the writer of Hebrews says. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The significance of the statement, without shedding of blood, no forgiveness. In order for the spiritual condition to be satisfied, we understand, we know hopefully, there needed to be an atoning sacrifice, one who would take care of that for us. So we see then, with regards to Jesus, the significance of blood. We know that in our physical lives, as I've already outlined, how important it is, but in our spiritual lives, even more so. Um, it's interesting because we look at the blood of Christ as being salvation-oriented, which it is, of course, but there's so much more to it. Uh, we read in Revelation 12, 11, and they have conquered him. They, who's, who are they? Well, they are the witnesses. They are the Christians, those who are, we're looking at end times here. Uh, and who's him? Him is the dragon, the serpent of old, Satan. And they have conquered Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. They took a stand. They knew that they would not be able to overcome just on their own, but because they were in Christ, they also knew they couldn't help but overcoming. They stayed true to the blood of Christ. And because of that, they had a testimony. Uh, we uh, have been watching in the news these days about a gal by the name of Kim Davis, Rowan County Clerk uh, in Kentucky, and she's currently incarcerated. And I want to be careful here because I don't want to get uh, talk about anything in particular other than to say she has stayed truly by her beliefs and her understanding of what God wants from her and for her. And she is not willing to give it up merely for the convenience of not going to jail. And in some respects, when we talk about, because it's such picturesque speech about how they overcame him, that dragon, through the blood of the covenant, the testimony, we think in terms of, of some type of visual, much like what we saw earlier, perhaps. 
And it's not. It can be something as simple as a judge saying, you have to, and a person saying, but because of my God, I can't. And taking that stand. I was reminded of a quote when I was seeing this, and it's from the musical 1776, but it was actually taken from Edmund Burke, who was a member of British Parliament back in the mid-1700s. He said, a representative not only owes the people his industry, but his judgment, and he betrays them if he sacrifices it to their opinion. We will be not popular very much so in the future with, if we operate from the truth of Scripture. But we have to understand, when Jesus came, he was not popular with a lot of people with some of the things that he was saying. He did not waver in that. And we can say, yes, but he was God. Well, I have news. It's not that we are, obviously, but we have the presence and the power of God within us. We, too, must not waver. We, too, must take a stand. And, folks, I promise you, we all live a very comfortable, convenient life at times. And it's going to become uncomfortable and inconvenient. And the question is, what will we do in those days? How will we respond? What will we say? Will we stand by the blood and have a testimony? May it be so. The ultimate sacrifice was done for us. And when we look at the blood, you're, this is going to be hard for you to read, and I apologize, so I'll read it from, from here as well. But I was just looking at verses, and it's a real fascinating study. If you ever go take a concordance or uh, use uh, tools from the computer on the Internet, uh, and you look at the word blood, and look, just look at the different types of things associated with it. We have uh, Judas, the betrayer, spoke of it as innocent blood in Matthew 27, 4. Peter called it the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect in 1 Peter 1, 9. According to 1 John 1, 7, it is the cleansing blood that frees us from our sins. In Revelation 1, 5, there we go. The cleansing blood that frees us from our sins. Paul called it the blood which bought us in Acts 20, 28. And in Ephesians 7 and Colossians 1, 14, he called it the redeeming blood. In Romans 5, 9, it is the justifying blood. In Colossians 1.20, it is the peacemaking blood. In Hebrews 13.12, a little further on from our reading today, the blood that makes us holy. Have you ever thought in terms of what Christ's blood is not for the purpose merely of only salvation, but to make us holy? Scriptures tell us without holiness, no one can see the Lord. And it is because of the blood that we can be holy. And in Hebrews 13, 20, it is the blood of the eternal covenant. And there's even more, and on and on we could go about it. There are some, um, several references in the scripture. Um, it's just amazing what we see this blood can do. And the significance of it, well, it's significant because of the sacrifice that's tied into it. I love to laugh. I don't know about you. Uh, that's one of the reasons I like watching the very first part of America's Got Talent when they first get started. Uh, some of it makes me laugh. Some of it makes me go, why? Why? People who legitimately think they have talent. Another show that's on is America's Funniest Home Videos. And if you've ever watched some of those, that can be a real good rib tickler. And there was one that was uh, uh, about a, a Japanese boy and girl over in Japan 
Um, and she just refused to cross the sidewalk because when they came to the edge of the sidewalk, there was a two-foot gap between where she was and where the other one is, and she's just this little girl, and her brother was with her, and he's trying everything to get her to go over, and she's just refusing. She's not doing this. There's no way she's going to make it across that gap. And he jumps across, shows her how easy it is, and she's still not buying it. Finally, the young man steps across with one foot, almost to the point where he looks like he's heading towards a split, and he's spanning the gap. And he grabs his sister, lifts her up, and I thought the humor was going to be he was going to lose, and psh, down they both win. But no! <laughs> they wouldn't have been that cruel. Lifts her over to the other side, and then gets himself over there. And when I saw that, I thought, you know, that is a great illustration of what Christ has done. We have come to the precipice, and there is this chasm that separates us from God. We can't get across. Our sin is preventing us. There is nothing we can do. And Christ comes. And you've seen illustrations and pictures where the cross lays across the gap and people walking across it. And yes, that's what it's about. That's what the sacrifice of blood is about. We understand, and I won't go into the particulars about the victims of crucifixion, uh, the, the process was very painful. How many of you have seen uh, The Passion of the Christ? A good chunk of you here. If you haven't, I, I'll warn you ahead of time, I'll say two things. One, it's worth seeing because it really puts our salvation in a perspective. Mel Gibson, in a very lucid moment of his life at the time, uh, did a great work. And James Caviezel does a magnificent job in portraying Jesus. But more importantly, they were so, and this is one of the things that Gibson wanted to do, was to portray with great accuracy, historically, what went on. There is dispute by some of Jesus Christ actually being the Son of God. Not with me, and I'm sure not with you. But there is no dispute historically what the person Jesus Christ went through and what he suffered, and this video puts it in a very grim, and it's grimmest uh, distinction. It's hard to watch, I will tell you, but it's educational, and more importantly, inspirational. In the scene in the crucifixion, they one of the things they would do is they would put a little block of wood underneath the feet. They would nail the feet to the cross, and the reason they put that little block of wood there is so that the person who had been crucified could push themselves up. Crucifixion really was tied in a lot to asphyxiation because they wouldn't be able to, loss of blood in the body would make the body very weak, as you might imagine, which they would have been beaten, uh, not oftentimes to the extent of what Christ does. I'm sure he was given, for some reason, an added measure, but... With the loss of blood and with the hands pierced and the feet pierced, and they would push themselves up to get breath. If they didn't have the strength and they just hung there, death would come quicker, mercifully, in some respects, I suppose. Um, but to the person who had that little block of wood, oftentimes they would push up so they could just take another breath and they would live that much longer. We know at the end, uh, because of this being the Sabbath, they broke the uh, legs of the thieves on the right and the left of him so that they would die quickly. And of course, they didn't break Jesus because scripture was honored that a bone in his body was broken. So we understand that this whole process was meant to cause suffering. And that just makes the sacrifice even greater. Hebrews reminds us in the second verse of the 12th chapter, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Contemplate with me for a moment 
the joy set before. The joy was our salvation, our redemption. The endurance was the cross. The joy was our rejoining to God, moving from his creation to becoming his child again, as God had intended it to be. The enduring was the whipping, the beating, the nails, the mocking. On a very lowest of low levels, I have an understanding of this. Those of you who know me know I've been in martial arts for a number of years, 36 years plus, somewhere around there. And I've endured, note the word endured, black belt tests. Um, one of my black belt tests lasted 17 hours straight. And at the end, there's a video of me that I have buried because <laughs> I get knocked out. We're in a ring and we're sparring. I had to spar three three-minute rounds. Now, folks, I got to tell you, when you're fresh, three-minute rounds, three three-minute rounds is pretty good. When you're exhausted, and this was at the end of the 17 hours, got nothing. And the people you were going up against were the ones who were administrating the test. At one point during our test, they, they had us uh, go through and doing these, uh, I won't go into some of the details of stuff that we did. We're doing this torturous stuff. They went out to McDonald's. This was not fair, but this was part of the test. And they relaxed because they'd been through it before. They got to watch us go through it, and at the end, we got to spar them. Three different people, three minutes each. And it's at the third fella, at the last 30 seconds, I can't keep my hands up anymore. I'm tired. And he was fine with that. And helped me take a nap. And if I told you some of the horrors that we went through, you would ask me, why? And I would tell you because, for whatever reason, that black belt was important to me. There was a value I placed on it. We could look to Jesus and say, why would you do what you did? Because there is such a value he places on us. And he would do it again and again and again for us if he had to. Because that's how much he loves us. And we question that at one point. Again, even scripture in Romans 3 says, it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitters. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Sounds like almost today in some respects with some different types of groups. Why? Why would Christ do that? Well, we also find this in the scriptures. First John tells us, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God loved us first. There is nothing we can do to make him love us anymore. He loved us when we were unlovable. The word we use, we understand from the Greek, is the word agape. It gets thrown around. And I've often defined that as it's a love that loves not just because of, but it's a love that's in spite of. My wife and I have been separated for a few days. Notice I finished that phrase. If I said my wife and I are separated, you'd be going, oh my goodness, what's going on? But we've only been separated for a few days because she went down with her family to Kentucky uh, to be with them. And we were texting each other in the evening 
And I got to tell you, we hit this year 30, what year are we in? 2015. 35 years of marriage. I always have to stop and think. And I still tell her I love her and I miss her. And I told her, and I even took the, I said, I love you so very, 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 very. I put 57 varies. I counted them. <laughs> and I said, much. She responded, ditto. <laughs> she said to me, she, <laughs> she said to me, then she goes, I even miss your snoring. I texted back, ditto. <laughs> she texted back, hey! But after so many years of being together, there is no difference in our love in the sense of it being less at all. If anything, it's increased over the years. Um, to understand God is to understand his love doesn't decrease or increase. His love is a perfect love that loves not just because of it, but it loves in spite of. Even when we're at our lowest, even when we are, that verse in the song of William Booth, um, my passions are fitful, they force me to wrong, they bind my, my force, they're strong, they bind my poor soul, uh, poor soul and they force me to wrong. Um, even during those times, he still loves us the same. I have a hard time understanding that, I'll tell you honestly. But such is our God, such is how he has been with us and will be with us and always is with us. It is the significance of his blood. It is the sacrifice of his blood. It is the sufficiency, and we'll conclude here today, of his blood. We understand this blood brings removal. It washes away my sin. Uh, Hebrews 9.22 again. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. That's a negative. We can make a positive. With the shedding of blood, forgiveness. We also understand that it brings return. There's an award that is given sometimes called the ROI award. It's return on investment. And what the award is about is usually given into uh, somebody who uh, has been invested into by a group or a community who has uh, become, uh, come out of hard circumstances and has gone on to get an education and they have just blossomed into something amazing. And it's all that effort that had been put into them, all the time and people spent. And there's a return on that investment. Um, Christ brings his, his blessing, his blood brings return. It says in Ephesians 2, 1, 13, now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There's a return on the investment. What has, done, has happened is there has been a rejoining again. We are drawn near and it brings a remembrance. Uh, when he's speaking in the upper room with the disciples and he says to him, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many of the forgiveness of sins. You know, in the Salvation Army, there are certain things we don't practice, and one of them is we don't practice communion. We don't practice uh, uh, the Last Supper type of stuff. Uh, and, and there's a reason for it, but more particular in the scripture, and I think what is missed a lot of times, this idea of communion is not just a one-time thing. Anytime I sit down for a meal, anytime I break bread, anytime I go and I... I'm, I'm having the sustenance put before me. I should be reminded about the sustenance that's given to me spiritually by what Christ has done. Came across this story, and we'll conclude with this today. 
While taking a prisoner from Ontario Correctional Center to be arraigned on charges of attempted armed robbery, Police Constable John Bolton noticed a cross around the neck of the convict. Knowing that this man was not a religious man, it caused him to take a closer look. The prisoner attempted to conceal something that was protruding from the top of the cross. When questioned, well, he said it was just a good luck charm designed to look like a spoon for sniffing cocaine. But Constable Bolton was sure it looked like a handcuff key. And by experimentation, he found that that cross would open most of the handcuffs they had. The discovery led to the exposure of an attempt by prisoners in the correctional center to make a number of these cross keys so that they might experience freedom in a very unconventional way. What a great illustration, though, because that's what the cross has done for us. Amen? And that's what the cross can do for others. And I think when we see people like Joe the Turk, Elijah Cadman, William Booth, who were on fire, they were on fire because they recognized the freedom that comes with Christ, and they wanted everyone to experience this freedom. Folks, I'm going to suggest to us today as we conclude our service here and as we include this message today, may that spirit reside in us, that we want to see others come to know Christ, that we want to see others be aware of the freedom that comes from the shedding of his blood for them. May it be something that we just don't honor the first part of these S's, saved to save, where we've been saved. But may we serve as well. Put you bow your heads with me. Mark, could I ask you to go to the piano? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for the shedding of the blood. A reminder very strongly from Hebrews, without it, that shedding of the blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. We sometimes live carelessly. We live in a way that we take for granted an act that was done for us. Forgive us when we do that. Lord, this should be something every day when we wake up, we should be mindful of the great freedom we have in you. We have never seen hell itself. We have experienced tough times, and we may feel like on certain days that we've gone through hell, but we really haven't. And because of you, Lord Jesus, we never have to worry about it, never have to be reminded of it, for we live in a a freedom that is so wonderful. But we also live in a world where there are others, as The scriptures reminded us earlier, there's none righteous, no none. There are people who deny you, people who still turn from you. And even today, even as it was back then, it still is today, there are people who do not acknowledge you. And Father, what are we going to do about that? Do we just leave them to their own fate? You would never do that, Christ. You came for the whosoever. For you, Lord, so loved this world that you gave that all who believe may be saved. And you have come for the all. And you want everyone too. May we do our part in spreading the word. The great word. The good news of your word. And may we not take it for granted or take it lightly. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we always open the altar. And if you would like to come for any reason this morning, you are welcome to.
Maybe just to renew your faith. Maybe you need to come and ask for salvation this day. I don't know. Um, maybe you want to come and just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the shedding of your blood. Maybe you just want to come and renew your commitment. If you feel like you would like to step up to this altar this morning, no magic in the wood, but it is a place to bend the knee to bow the heart and to say thank you to God and a place to meet with him. Someone will come and pray with you if you want. If you just want time alone, that is possible too. But as the piano plays, we'll take just a few moments here. If you'd like to come, now is the time. on Carl Road. If you're willing, please take time to pray for us, the body of Christ, as we pursue holiness and God's will for Columbus. God bless.